thank you, worship team, for the great reminder that, you know, one day, I believe one day soon, we will rise. And all of us will stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And all of us will be hearing many angels singing over and over and over, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You know, oftentimes, while we're here on earth, we, we get so tri- sidetracked by the things of earth and, and we, our eyes get so focused on all that's going on around us that we forget so many things. As we wind up our sermon series on the, what we believe, you know, we've been going through the Baptist faith and message, you know, what we believe as Baptists. And um, you know, to, the title of today's sermon series is The Last Days. And it's probably not going to be what you're thinking of the last days, although I do believe we're in the last days. Uh, But I want us to really focus on if we knew that we only had a few days left, if we knew that this next building that we're going to build is the last building that we would build and that we wouldn't even be in it that long, would we do anything different? Before I go any further, last night I had the privilege of going and speaking at the third anniversary of the, of the uh, Tabernacle of Praise, which is the SBCV church plant, Liberian church plant that's in Richmond that we support, that many of you went out to uh, a couple of months ago and, and uh, went out and served. Uh, their facilities are facilities that if we walked in, we'd walk straight back out of. I remember the first time that I went in there and there were wires hanging from the ceiling and, and it, was, it was just a building that most of us would think needs to be condemned, but they're just thankful that they have a place to assemble together as God's believers, as librarians living in Richmond. And, uh, and so I got to be a part of their uh, third anniversary, uh, a church plant that's three years old, and you know, I got to speak there. And I just got to share with them, you know, the, the privilege it is for us to be a part of what they're doing. Um, but, you know, they are so thankful not just for our financial support that we give them, but for those of you that went out and served. They couldn't say enough about you. In fact, they gave us a plaque of appreciation, um, you know, for supporting their ministry. You know, and it's an honor to participate with like-minded believers. It was an honor for me to be there last night with people from a different culture. You know, we often forget, especially on Sunday mornings, when we come together with those that look like us and think like us and act like us that are from the same culture, we forget that there's so many other brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who live within minutes of here that are worshiping God as well. And as I said to them last night, I'll say to us, you know, one day when every knee bows and says, worthy is the lamb, according to God's word, every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will be represented. We're going to spend eternity together in heaven. So why not practice on earth now together? And so I've invited them to come and join us on a Sunday morning sometime in the near future, and hopefully they'll come and we'll be able to worship together and celebrate all the great things that God is doing. You know, but as I challenged them last night, I want to challenge us today as we conclude this sermon series that we, more than ever before, have to keep a laser focus on the mission that God has given His church. As I've said numerous times before, I don't think we get to pick that mission. I think the mission is straight out of the Word of God. We have it on our wall. It comes right out of the the uh, Great Commission passages that we are to multiply disciples with the only thing that can transform lives, the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing else in this world that will change lives, both in the present 
and for all eternity besides the gospel of Jesus Christ. And more than ever before, we have to have this laser focus on that mission as God's church. You know, I, I believe strongly that we are in the last days, that what we are experiencing right now uh, is going to be for a brief time. We have still have freedom in this country to worship any way we want. But I believe that freedom is coming to a screeching halt. You know, and I don't want to politicize much, but I want to talk from God's word that this next election may expedite our spiritual freedoms in the sense that they will be removed from us. When you look at the two parties, and I'll just generalize here, one is pro-life and one is pro-death. I mean, you just look at how they vote. One votes pro-life and everything that has life. You know, this, the, the three principles this country is founded on is what? Life, liberty, and what? The pursuit of happiness. You can't have the pursuit of happiness if you don't have liberty. You can't have liberty if there's not first life. But yet one party votes death on everything. They vote against spiritual principles. And whether you realize this or not, there are already things in motion from the party that is pro-death that are set, that our religious freedoms are going to be removed rapidly. If the party that is pro-death gets in the presidency, you will already see things that that president has put in motion while they were secretary of state for other nations that will quickly become upon the United States where Christian schools will no longer be accredited, where churches, the, even the tax exemption that we have will be removed. And once that happens, there's going to be this domino effect of our freedoms that men and women have given their lives for in this country that are going to be removed. We have to, as God's church, get serious about fulfilling the mission that he's given us because I believe our freedoms are coming to an end rapidly. Now, God is still God. He's still going to be on his throne, but it's going to make it much more difficult to be able to share the love of Jesus in the ways that we do as a church and even worship together. We have got to get serious. And so I want us to just to consider some things to help us stay on track, that we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to the Spirit's guidance. And this week has been an amazing week as we have challenged you, as we've made some huge monumental historical decisions in this last week for this church. And we said, we're going to do it spiritually. We're not going to do it according to how we feel. We're going to go to God. We're not going to twist anybody's arm. And, and it's amazing to me what took place on Wednesday night. Uh, if you weren't here and you're hearing for the first time uh, today, we have an offer that we've accepted for $3.85 million to purchase this property. And we asked you as the church to pray and fast and go to God's word to say, is this of him or is it not? Now, here's what blows my mind. And I didn't have the guts to say this publicly, and I confess that today, but the number that I had in my mind was 90%. I didn't have the guts to say it. And on those five votes, first two were both 91%. Second two were both 92%. The middle one was 88%, and that was we don't want to spend $30,000 on somebody to help us raise money. To get, I think we had 186, 187 people vote. To get that many people together on that many issues is supernatural. God has spoken. 
and you have listened. And it is an honor and a privilege and a joy to be a part of a body of believers who wants to make spiritual decisions the right way. That we pray seeking God's word. We pray and ask through prayer. We look at the circumstances that God has put us in. And then we seek godly wisdom and we make a decision. Well, we need to continue more than ever before to do those same things in every single decision that we make from here on out. Whether it's where we purchase land or where we rent a building or everything that we do needs to be with that in mind so that we can fulfill the mission that Jesus has left us with, remembering that we are the only plan. There is no plan B. There is no backup. We are the only means that God has ordained to make his glory known to every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And so as we come this morning, I want us to look at some biblical reminders of how we can have that laser focus. And the first is this, that we need to set our eyes. We need to set our eyes on things above. We, we all know this, that when you're trying to shoot at a target, you can't look at something else while you're trying to shoot. You need to be so focused on that target, even visualizing if you're shooting an arrow, you need to visualize that arrow going down this line right to the target. You know, in a, in a similar way, we have to so have our eyes focused on things above and not things on earth so that we can stay down the path that God has given us. Colossians 3.2, a verse that most of us have memorized when we were kids, to, to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And, and we've all gone through this battle back and forth where when we do set our eyes on things above, you know, it's usually pretty easy, but then all of a sudden we, we visualize the things around us, the trials, the tribulations, and, and what do we do? We take our eyes off the things above and we start looking at all these things you know, and it, it gets hard. I referred to, you know, over this last week as we've made this monumental historical decision, the 12 spies who went into Canaan. God had taken the Israelites out of Egypt. He did it in a supernatural way. They're walking through the wilderness, and God continues to provide over and over and over again. They come to the border, and they send in 12 spies. They were there for 40 days, and they came back. I want to read for you the account of this in, in chapter 13 of Numbers and then into 14. It's pretty lengthy, so I didn't put it on the slides because the poor guys clicking the slides would probably get carpal tunnel trying to stay up. Um, but if you'd like to turn, it's in, it's in Numbers chapter 13. This is the report of the spies. It says this in verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron and to the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. So you can imagine they come back and they have this fruit, you know, and it's amazing fruit. Matter of fact, when I was there in Israel, I, I got to say that to this day, that's some of the best fruit I have ever had in my life. It's amazing. The honey there was some of the sweetest, it was no, no doubt the sweetest honey I've ever had. And they told him, verse 27, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and, and, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large. And besides that, we saw the descendants of Enoch there. The Amalekites dwell in the land. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites, they dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. You see, these two men went in with spiritual eyes. They kept their eyes focused on things above. They kept their eyes focused on the promises of God, and what they saw was different. 
But the other ten, their eyes were quickly focused on earthly things. Verse 31, then the men who had gone up with them said, we're not able to go up against those people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought it to the people of Israel. They brought a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land though which we have gone and spied out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw there are of great height. And we seem like grasshoppers to them. And on that report, verse 1 of 14 says, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept at night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or that we would even have died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let's choose a leader and let's go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, you know, they were among those who had spied out the land. They tore their clothes and they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred to us, their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said, stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a greater and mighty nation than they. We're familiar with this story. We grew up reading this story, but oftentimes we forget the very thing that led these people to wandering in the wilderness for 40 more years, and that everybody from the age of 20 and up would die off before God would allow them to inherit the land. It all started with 10 men who took their eyes off of heavenly things. It's so easy for us in the world today to focus on earthly things, to be so consumed with the things of earth and to forget about the things of heaven. If we are going to maintain what God is doing and see God multiply his glory over and over and over, we have to keep our eyes fixed on heavenly things. And, and in the temptations where our eyes come back to earthly things, we need to come together and remind one another to focus our eyes on heavenly things. You know, but there's something else that's very helpful as well to, to keep focused on the mission that God has given us, and that's to remember our citizenship. 
Right? We all have dual citizenship. You know, and watching the Olympics over the last few weeks has brought back all sorts of memories for me. Um, you know, there's not too many athletes that are still competing in the Olympics that we know from our years at Auburn, but there's still a few. There's some of the Olympic coaches for the United States we've worked with, and it's, it was fun to watch them. You know, but even, even thinking about athletes you know, in their preparation of trying to compete for their country. Uh, when, when I was competing, I was always a little bit jealous of those that had dual citizenship in two different countries. It's like they got, they got plan A, and if that doesn't work, they got plan B. You know, and I was always jealous of that. One of, the, one of the, my teammates was the United States record holder in the 400 hurdles, and, uh, and it was back in 1980, the year we boycotted the Olympics, and she was number four in the world, and we didn't go. But she had dual citizenship in Puerto Rico, and so, you know, she was able to, to try out for their team as well. You know, I was always jealous of that dual citizenship, but do you realize we have dual citizenship? We are citizens here on earth, but we are citizens from heaven. One day we will go to heaven, and, and it's important for us as we keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith on heavenly things that we remember where our citizenship is. And so if you look at Philippians chapter, chapter 3, uh, Paul gives the Philippians a little bit of reminder in verse 17 and, and following into, into chapter 4. It says, Brothers, join me in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I often told you, and now I'll tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and the glory is in their shame. With minds set on earthly things, and so here Paul's talk, talking about these people that he's worked with, people that you know, I, were probably close to coming to faith in Jesus Christ, but their God was their self, their flesh, their, their own desire, and now they're enemies of God. And Paul in verse 20 reminds us, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to be subject of all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. We need to remember who we are. We are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Our citizenship is in a different place. We are here as ambassadors. We are here temporarily to tell the world that they too can have citizenship in heaven. We don't just have this fire insurance plan that we know that when God returns, whoo, we get to go to heaven. We're here to fulfill his mission, to fulfill his will, his way, so that hundreds and thousands of people through even just this local body of believers can come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we need to keep our eyes fixed on heavenly things. We need to remember our citizenship, and, and we need more than ever before to live intentionally. We need to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that he has given us this mission that he's given to every church. It's not about us. It's not about fellowship. It's about making God's glory known. It's, it's been a blessing for me to watch you guys really understand and wrap your arms around the mission that God has given us, that we need to ask ourselves the question over and over and over, is what we are doing helping us fulfill that mission? And, and that vision, I mean, you look over there on that wall, that is insane to reach 200,000 people by the year 2020. 
Yeah, it's insane in human standards, but not in God's. God desires to reach 200,000 people with this church. He desires to reach and impact that many people because he wants to bring himself glory. And if we would get on board with his plan, we just invite people to come to church with us next week to see the crazy dude that sits up front in a stool, and then we'll feed him afterwards. Maybe God would glorify himself, and they'd come to faith in Jesus Christ. As we would go out and make his glory known over and over and over, God will do the rest. We are ambassadors that are here for a short while. One day he's going to take us home. In Acts chapter 1, we see what Jesus was doing. And if there's any, ever a good example of living intentionally, it was the last 40 days that Jesus was on earth. And this is what Acts chapter 1 says. He presented himself to them after his suffering. He gave them many convincing proofs and appeared to them for 40 days. And speaking about what? He spoke about the kingdom of God. He had one focus. It was the kingdom of God. He wanted them to know for sure that he had come back from the dead, that he was alive, that he was victorious over death. If we're going to be intentional, we need to do the same. We need to give convincing proofs to everybody that will listen. We need to pray that God would allow us to intersect the lives of those who are searching. That happened to me on Friday. If, if you guys aren't familiar, Alfred Newman, one of our dear members, is, is in his last days. You know, it, it, I didn't even expect that he'd still be alive today after I saw him on Friday. I went to pray with him and, you know, and spend time with the family. And one of the, the ladies who was there doesn't know Jesus. She's a friend of the family. Matter of fact, she considers Alfred kind of her, her, her second dad. And as I was walking out to leave, she and a couple other people were sitting on the porch. And she said, can I ask you some questions? Like, hey, sure. At that time, I didn't know she wasn't a believer. And she began to ask all sorts of questions. I sat down in a chair there on the porch. And for an hour and a half, I shared convincing proofs about Jesus. This woman wants so desperately to believe. You know what I saw? You know, all I did was open up the Word of God. It wasn't this. It was my phone. I just opened up the Word of God, and I had her read some verses. And I would see this woman who was so desperately searching for truth that was uncomfortable. She literally would come to the edge of the rocking chair, and you could see this peace overwhelming her, and she was right at the verge. And then guess what would happen? Spiritual warfare burst out. Every single time that happened, we were distracted, whether somebody was coming to the house or coming out of the house. At the very moment that she was at a moment of decision, there was a distraction. This happened four separate times. And I remember asking her, I said, when, and I said, can I make an observation? And I shared that. I said, every time we've come to these convincing proofs about Jesus, do you realize how you're responding? She had no clue. I said, you have come to the edge of your chair, and this peace has overwhelmed you. And she instantaneously recognized that that was true. She said, but I just, I, I just can't. I said, yes, you can. You believe in your heart, and all you need to do is take that step of faith and believe. She never did. She got up and walked in the house, and I got to thinking afterwards that I was driving home. Everybody was saying, you know, they just don't know why Alfred's still hanging on. You know, a lot of times there's something that people are hanging on to, and I got to thinking, I bet Alfred's hanging on so that she comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And I actually prayed crazy prayer. God, allow Alfred to wake up enough to share the gospel with you. We don't have much time left. There's too much at stake for us to 
get distracted by our eyes being on earthly things. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, but the one who's going to lead us down paths of righteousness. We need to do that together as a body of believers because it is so easy for us to get distracted. And we need to remind one another you know, to, to keep our eyes focused. We need to walk side by side as we go through difficulties to allow us to see how God is working even in the midst of those. But more importantly than anything else, we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit wants to lead us into all truth. He wants to lead us into conversations like that. You know, as I told this, this woman, I said, you know what, there's no coincidence that you and I happen to be visiting him at the same time. You know, I'd been there before, and she had heard that I had been there before, and we didn't intersect. I said, there's no coincidence you and I are sitting here on this porch right now, because they had told her to go home hours before. The Holy Spirit wants to guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit wants to intersect our lives with people who, just like that, are so desperately searching for truth that we get to give those many convincing proofs by sharing God's word with them and hopefully get to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ. She is so close. But time is short. Let me close with a golf story. I know we got a lot of golfers here. There's a young man who got to play the St. Andrews course up in New York, and as he was playing, he was partnered up with one of their older members. And the older member got up, and, and uh, they got on the first tee, and in St. Andrews, you have a caddy that goes with you. And they, the older guy got up, and he hit his shot, and it's straight as an arrow right down. It reminds me of John Little, for all of you who play with John Little, an older guy that can crush the ball. Well, the younger guy, um, he's like, that's not bad. He didn't say anything, but what he was thinking is, watch this. So he gets up, and much like me, he gets up and he speeds up his swing, and it starts out nice and straight, and then it goes. Some of you are laughing because you swing the same way. And there at St. Andrews on the first hole, there's tall grass, and the ball got lost. The second hole was worse than the first. You know, on the first, he had a, I think, an eight on a par four. Second hole was worse than that, and he started getting mad at his caddy. So would you keep your eyes fixed on my ball? You know, don't make me do your job. And, and this goes on and on and on. And he didn't get any better. Yet this older guy just keeps in it straight down the course. And he's getting more and more and more frustrated, but he's blaming everything on the caddy. Well, they get to, after the ninth hole, you come and take a break. And he was so mad at his caddy that he fired him. He said, you know what, I'll do it myself. You just stay here at the clubhouse. I'll go out myself. They played the next three holes, and it was silent. And the older guys decided to break the silence. He said, you know, there was a young man here. His name was William. And when he was younger, he came out here to get a job as a caddy. You know, and he had a club foot. That club foot didn't stop him from being a caddy. And everybody on here just enjoyed being around William. He was an amazing guy. And, and uh, everybody just, they wanted him to be their caddy. And there, we had a doctor here that really took a, a liking to William. And, and it, during, the, during the winter months, he took William down south with him, and he operated on his foot, and he, he healed his foot. And William came back, and he continued to caddy even after that. And, uh, but unfortunately, that doctor, uh, he got ill, and he ended up dying. And, uh, you know, William continued to, you know, caddy, and he said, you know, one day I got to to have William as my caddy. And as we were going through the course, William kept on going off and kept on picking flowers. And he had this great big bouquet of flowers. And so the older guy said, William, who's the girl? He said, sir, I don't yet have a girl. But these are for the doctor. Twice a week, I take these flowers and I put them on the grave.
because of what that doctor did, William never forgot and he wanted to continue to honor that man's life. And so as the older guy tells that story to the younger guy, the younger guy goes, well, man, that's a caddy worth having. Where's he? The older guy said, he was carrying your bags for the first nine holes. You see, oftentimes, because our eyes are fixed on earthly things, we have no idea who's carrying the load. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And he walks with you. And he so desires to empower you as he leads you into all truth, as he guides you to make decisions much like we made this week as a body of believers. When our eyes are fixed on spiritual things, heavenly things, we're more likely to recognize the Spirit in our life, His working in our life, His leading in our lives, Him leading us down paths of righteousness. And even though we deviate and we fix our eyes on earthly things, the moment we confess that and we put our eyes back on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the Holy Spirit empowers us again. And He leads us in all truth. And every one of us can have an encounter like I did on Friday where God just intersects our path with somebody who's ready to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God is glorified. His glory is known. His glory is multiplied in another life. And he gets all the praise and honor and glory. As we come to our time of invitation today, I wonder which one of these that you need to work on the most. Maybe it's just learning how to have this laser focus on God no matter what the circumstances. Maybe it is that you need to study more convincing proofs so that you can live intentionally and share the love of Jesus and, and share the good news of Jesus like I got to on Friday. Or maybe it's you've got to remember your citizenship. Whichever one of those that you need to work on the most, I, I pray that right now as we come to this time of invitation that you would make that commitment to God so that as we continue to move together as a local body of believers, that we can see well more than 200,000 people impacted and their lives changed by the ministry of this church. Maybe God's calling you to be part of this church. We had, we've just presented three of our senior ladies uh, for membership in the first service. Maybe God's saying, you know what, this is where I want you to be a part of and to serve. Maybe today it's just a time for you to take that step of faith and say it's time. It's time for me to become part of this body of believers to help fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. But together, we need to keep our eyes focused on spiritual things. And no matter what happens around us, no matter the freedoms that might be taken away in this country, as we together keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and say, God, how can we continue to make your glory known no matter what's going on here? Guess what he's going to do? He's going to glorify himself. And it's going to be an honor and a privilege to be a part of it. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful for what you're doing around here, for what you're doing in my life, for what you have done to redeem every single one of us. But Lord, your glory still needs to be magnified and multiplied, and your glory still needs to be made known in so many people's lives. And so, Father, I pray that right now that you would speak to each of us individually, that we would work on the things that we need to work on so that your glory can be made known to every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. 
Lord, I pray that you would speak to us so that we know which one of these that we need to work on the most, whether it's to keep our eyes fixed, whether it's to remember our citizenship, Lord, whether it's just to align with other people so that we can live intentionally and give so many convincing proofs that are there about who Jesus is and that his glory can be made known as people accept him as their personal Savior. Lord, I pray for us even this week as we invite people to come with us next week to Friend Day. God, that you would be faithful as we are obedient to invite people. And Lord, that we would see even amongst our midst next week, people come to faith in you. And so God, we pray that you would continue to glorify yourself through us as individuals and corporately together as a body of believers. In Jesus' name.